This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. This is our weekly get-together to discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. As always, we're live streaming our podcast on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter and Twitch. So if you're watching along tonight, you can leave your comments and questions as we go. A massive thank you, as always, to our TSP patrons. We couldn't do any of this without you. You can visit patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast to find out more about getting involved. Coming up on this week's pod, the losing run comes to an end with a draw at home to West Ham, but after taking the lead, is a point enough to keep Ralph Hasenhutl in a job? And it's a busy two-game week ahead with a trip to Bournemouth on Wednesday before the visit of Arsenal on Sunday. We'll preview both games. And it looks like there could soon be a vacancy for head of recruitment at Staplewood, so we'll chat through the latest on that. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined this week by Steve Grant, who is the owner of Saints Web. Glenda LeCourt is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and Jacob Tanswell is the Southampton reporter for The Athletic, all underpinned by our TSP patrons. This is episode 210 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC, from dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews. Live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, the most significant game of the season so far ends in a draw, one all at home to West Ham. Glenn, was that good enough to keep the manager in his job for a few more days? Well, it clearly is. At, at the time of going to press. <laughs> um, because... Uh... Uh, yeah, at the time of going to press, he's he's still there. So the atmosphere inside the ground was was relatively decent. There weren't any protests that I heard or anything like that. There's a few boos at the final whistle. I think the the most of the life has been sucked out of most people. But that game today was it's it's a difficult one to judge. Really, I think we might, most people would have taken a point before the start of the game. It would have been nice to win. West Ham are a decent side. Got a very good squad now. But um, first half we played well. The the you know the initial plan was uh, you know we were kind of. 4-3-3 in possession and it was almost like 4-1-4-1 when we didn't have the ball and um, 
and it, you know the first half it went well we created a couple of chances and um, obviously scored the goal which owed a little bit to fortune you know there's question marks over a foul throw the referee got in the way and there was a deflection as well so uh, so we were maybe a little bit fortunate to be ahead at half time especially as West Ham had three or four chances that were kind of inches wide of the post stuff like that but one nil half time happy days and the start of the second half again was abysmal and it was a matter of time before um before West Ham scored um which they duly did and and after after that Ralph had to change something but the the quadruple substitution was I don't know I mean a couple of couple of the subs I thought were okay you know Idozi on for Armstrong fine Diallo on for Maitland-Niles he was clearly tired he had a good game by the way but Taking off Che Adams was was ridiculous, and I, I wouldn't have taken a rebo off either because I just I just felt like in the last sort of twenty West West Ham because they're quite a physically big side they're they're going to score a set piece or something. We just suddenly looked very lightweight the last twenty minutes. So in the end, even though we we had a sort of like half chance, didn't we? Was it a, a dozy had a shot that was straight at the keeper? It, at the end, I was quite I was quite pleased to get out of there with a with a point. But um, yeah, the, the second half was really bad. I just thought overall, the second half we didn't we didn't do enough to um, you know to to win the game and, and finish it off, and we really needed to. Um, Steve, what was your take on it? Because um, I mean, the second half it looked like we were the team that played on on Thursday night, and we're looking a bit devoid of ideas and a bit leggy. Yeah, I mean, this seems to be a bit of a common theme with us over the last sort of eighteen months or so. Ever ever since we sort of decided that the ultra high pressing idea was basically the reason why we were collapsing late in games, why we were picking up so many injuries, and we did away with it and kind of went with something that was a little bit more selective, which kind of on the face of it seemed like a very sensible idea but in practice hasn't worked in this hasn't worked in the slightest we do seem to have suddenly developed an issue with stamina even in games where we haven't been going full pelt we've generally been the ones on the back foot in the last 10 20 minutes of games even against teams that we should be at least putting up a good fight against i mean west as as glenn said west Ham are a good side i mean they've got probably five or six players in their in their first choice 11 who they've probably paid 30 million quid plus for and you've then got the homegrown Declan Rice who they're probably going to sell next summer or the year after for best part of 100 million so you you're competing you're competing against significant strength there but at the same time something's got to be looked at in terms of the way we're finishing games and also to be honest with the way we're starting second halves we've discussed this a lot already this season that basically every Every second half in games this season, we've been re- we've been second best comfortably. Um, we've conceded loads of goals in that first fifteen minutes. I mean, I thought we'd got away with it today because they hadn't scored in the first fifteen minutes, and then we let we just let it go another three minutes before um, before Rice did get the equaliser. But yeah, it's, there's something's something's not quite right there in terms of the in terms of the fitness and stamina. I don't know whether we've changed the system sort of at half time to try and account for ways that West Ham were getting between the lines in the first half. I mean, West West Ham were in the first half they they created a lot of chances but didn't hit the target with any of them. Whereas we were the complete opposite, which does make a pleasant change that we actually worked the keeper for once. And I mean, Fabianski kept the score down when it when realistically we could could and maybe should have scored three. But that's why that's why you have a forty million pound centre forward that West Ham did. Although I mean he didn't hit the target today, but you could see that Skamaka is an absolute pest. And yeah, he he bullied us bullied us for that entire first half. 
Um, second half, I actually thought we got to grips with him a lot better, but that just meant that the threat came from elsewhere. But yeah, I mean, as as you say, before the game, you might take a point against these, but probably not when you've seen the lineup where they've picked, I think, five fullbacks in their eleven. They had a lot of defenders um, missing, didn't they? Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have a single first choice centre back available. I mean, Kerr is the only one I think you, who could possibly be um, be classed as a as a centre back, and yet they started him as right wing back, um, which I found absolutely fascinating. But yeah, other, other than that, that should have been a that should have been back four that we were able to able to run at. And to be fair, first half we did, but second half we just never got never really got going. A couple of little flashes, but we just we just don't keep the ball in the second half very well. So we're constantly backpedaling because we've given the ball away sloppily, or we've lumped the ball up up the field with nobody nobody within 40 yards of where it's landed so it's just there's something not quite not quite clicking there and realistically that isn't going to change just with the return of uh, Romeo Lavia which by the sound of it might be sooner rather than later which is which is a bit of a bonus but yeah there's it's just it's all a bit all a bit sort of uncertain at the moment. And I think that uncertainty is is filtering filtering through to everybody now. And it almost feels like the club is kind of going through that that sort of process where they're waiting for the natural break to actually act and and do what what seems to be kind of the inevitable outcome of um, of this situation. The now. axe is poised, as mm. it were. The axe is poised. Jacob, did we learn anything new today? I mean, Sport Republic, would they have been happy with what they saw? Or is it same old, same old? It's probably same old, same old. But the way I see Southampton, it's like a bit of a bit of dough. You basically, you know, you roll it and roll it and roll it. And the defence is dropping deeper. The attack's basically where it was in the first half. And then eventually everything just thins out. And in in the middle is the midfield, and they just completely were scrambled. You know, in that second half, I just thought they were the team became so stretched. And I thought, um, you know, you saw it in the goal. Wolfram's got one two on the edge of his box, and make the notice. Why I did think, I agree with Glenn? I thought he was he was good, especially in the first half. He was inside the eighteen yard box, deeper than Saleta Sar. I thought, what what is going on with the you know the the double midfield pivot? So I think that's an issue, and that's been an issue throughout the season. I think the only time it wasn't really was against City, and that's because you know it was relatively compact. The distance between the deepest centre back and Che Adams was was small because they're just you know sitting back. But when things become stretched, Slams have got any haven't got an answer, and that comes back to Steve's point about stamina. You know, they, they, this team used to absolutely revel in the chaos. Ralph used to love it. He used to call it ping pong. They used to love going end to end. That was their game because they thought, you know, this is more of a 50-50 and we could win this game because we've always been a little bit, you know, we've always had a shortfall of quality. But now when things go get into go end to end, Southampton just seemed to, you know, seem to just dwindle in numbers, really. And I thought West Ham were going to win. So that's a positive that Southampton managed to hold out. But I do feel, and it comes back to this point, I know it's on a completely different tangent, but James Ward-Prowse, he's, you know, I thought he was okay today, but it's just he's got so much to do in that midfield. And even make the nulls as well. So I don't think it is a personal problem. I think it's just a structural issue. And these things are so deep and ingrained now that it's, it's not a quick fix. It's going to take time and it, it, it might need refreshing of ideas. Do you think the defence dropped deeper today, um, Jacob, because of Chiletazar being on? And he's not as quick uh, as Bella yeah. Karchap. I just, I just, that's just occurred to me now. I didn't really think of it at the time. Yeah. I don't think so because he's. I think if you saw him at Marseille, he was quite a front foot defender anyway. He likes yeah. to stay high uh, with Saliba, but I just think it, it might be just more of a mentality thing in terms of you know, we don't yeah. actually like being being ahead in games. 
we like to we like to chase games. So that's there's an onus. But now you know, Slamton are thinking, okay, you know, we haven't we have kept kept a clean sheet this season. The only EFL team not to keep a clean sheet. <laughs> so we've just we've just got to sit back now. We've got to sit in our eighteen yard box, and that's assume that's the thing to do. And that's where you know you kind of look on the side for that common influence, and you see Harsness, or you see Ruben Sellers. Are they given that clarity of message? I, I'm not too sure. Um, Glenn, let's just talk about Che Adams. You said that actually mm. um, he, did, he did all right today. He could have scored again, probably wasted the game's best chances, but they were getting some success with the long kicks and he was holding things up well and bringing people in. I was I was impressed with Bazuna's distribution today. I thought he... He had most, a good game, didn't he? I think. Yeah, yeah, 95% of the yeah. time he either found Che Adams or he found Joe Aribo. That was the other target he was, he was looking for on the right-hand side. And... And that caused them problems. The fact that they were makeshift at centre-back because Kerr not a dominant centre-back and um, what's his name? Johnson. He's not mm-hmm. either. So that was tailor-made for Adams to go battering them around. And he and he did that. And I, you know, all of this is what I got so annoyed when he got taken off because all of our attacking play was set to go up through him. And then you take him off and bring on Sekumara, who is, is just lightweight and the, he doesn't hold the ball up. And it, it, it just that just meant every, every time it went to him, the attack broke down. Not his fault. He's just not that sort of player. You know, he, he can't play as the, you know, the, the Graziano Pella role. It's just ridiculous <laughs> expecting him to do it. But 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 that's, but that's what we did. But, I, you know, I thought Adams was decent. I thought the first chance that Fabianski saved... At the time, I thought that was easier than it actually was. I've seen it. I've seen it back now, and he, he basically had to hit it when he did, and he had to hit it where he did. So that that was a, that was a decent save. And the second one was a really good save by Fabianski. Got down low at the near post. So it, it wasn't like he'd missed sitters or anything like that. I, I, I thought I thought he was a right handful, and you know, we 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 have to accept that until the until the transfer window opens again. He is the best we've got by a long, long way. And if we possibly can, we have to keep him on the pitch for the whole 95, 96 minutes because without him, we've got even less of a clue going forward. He, he's the only one who sort of has any sort of movement ahead of the ball. This is the thing I was going on about last week. You, you just we're, we're static a lot of the time and we combine that by having midfield players or you know, play slightly deeper, like Adam Armstrong. Adam Armstrong just runs until he runs into someone. He doesn't release the ball. Um, he works incredibly hard, but there's just that lack of quality there. And Elianusi's the same. He works incredibly hard as well. But the final ball is always too slow, um, or he gets he gets crowded out because he's too slow to make his mind up, sort of thing. And and yeah, it it's a thankless job playing up front for us. And I, I think Che had a decent game today, but. Um, you know, he'll be disappointed that he didn't score. Is that still the the missing piece again, Steve? We, you know, we've spoken about this week after week. Um, ben says the main concern for me is the lack of goals and a top goal scorer. Sonny says we just need a fresh start and some new ideas. The big question, I guess, is it that the players are not good enough or is it the manager and his, his team aren't getting enough out of them? Um, maybe a bit of all of that, maybe. I mean, I think certainly we don't... Yeah, I mean, it's fairly evident we don't we don't pose enough of a threat to the op- to the opposition goal, which means that they're able to take a step further um, towards our goal with with a degree of confidence because they know that chances are, even if even if they do present us a chance, we're not going to take it. 
So that is a big problem. Whereas, yeah, if if we had a if we had a centre forward like, I mean, if we had say Danny Ings back in his prime two two and a bit years ago, West Ham wouldn't have had that second half where they were basically camped in our camped sort of within forty yards of our goal uh, for a good twenty minute period of that of that second half because you would always have a threat on um, going back the other way, and we just didn't have that. And it's yeah, it's frustrating. But also, I mean, I think I mean this is this is something that I've kind of bang, banged banged sort of drum about a few times that we just let crosses come into our box constantly and we're just putting ourselves under pressure we're we're a little bit better on the left hand side now Perro Perro is pretty disciplined in that he's he's a lot more uh proactive at getting out to the to the winger or the or the opposition fullback but Walker Peters just doesn't seem to ever get out and so many crosses come from our right hand side I mean Walker Peters is arguably one of our one of our best players and yet there does seem to be this very strange sort of fundamental issue with his game where he just doesn't seem to want to block crosses. Aaron agrees, by the way. He says, I feel the left side of our team's been playing much better both defensively and offensively in comparison with the right side. So it's interesting yeah, that, so. that you pick up on that as well. There's that yeah, and I think, um, yeah, I think Yeah, I think Armstrong, Adam Armstrong playing, playing wide left, I think gives a little bit of dynamism because he's got that little, that little sharpness when he's got the ball at his feet, he could knock it, knock it sort of a few inches um, just past the defender's defender's feet, and then dribble past. It's kind of the end product beyond that that's that's kind of a bit of a bit of an issue. But yeah, on on the right hand side, I mean, Arebo didn't do an awful lot today. He it just looked sluggish. Really, like first first half, he was probably the only one who wasn't up to speed with the game. Everybody else, I thought, was kind of on point for the most part. He just, he kind of, I think the game kind of passed him by a little bit. Second half, he was a bit more involved, but that was more, he was winning headers and then, well, winning winning a flick on to nobody because it was then just coming straight back at us. So, yeah, we've kind of got to pin down what what position we want him to play, I think, because I'm not sure he knows. I'm not sure, not sure we're, we're really sure what, what his best role is. Um, in this group of players is at the moment. Mm. And Jacob, just a word on injuries. Armel Belakotchap um, dislocated his shoulder. I think that was confirmed afterwards. They said he could be out for eight weeks, which is a shame because there was talk about the World Cup as well. That's Tino, Lavia and now Belakotchap. Is this the flaw in the plan of, of relying on young players and chucking them in and making them play every week? Yeah, that's kind of my match piece for tomorrow in terms of, you know, you're not only chucking them in, but you're so reliant on these players. Without these players, you fundamentally change the way you play. You see it with Romeo Lavia, you know, the team are going more direct. Bella Kocha, if there's something Glenn's reasoning about Saleta Sar coming on, dropping deeper. But these players are so instrumental in how Slamton play, it's it's quite odd really. And it's you know it's a bit of an indictment really on on the senior players. So it is it's such a shame as well. And um if anyone didn't know, uh, Theo Walcott was going to be in the squad today and he and he maybe from what I hear would have started, but he was ill today. So um okay. that's another that's I, I another saw concern. the Instagram pictures during the week and you think something yeah. something's gonna happen. Yeah. He's been told he's gonna get some minutes for something. But... Yeah. Exactly. yeah, he he praised him on, on Friday, I asked him about Theo Walcott and he said he's been doing really well. So he could have been in the outlet uh, that Slampton needed and replaced Danny Ings from a couple of years ago. So, yeah, but, Walcott um, could have made the difference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? My word. Well, we said it was going to be a big couple of games. It's Bournemouth next. Uh, Cherry's are ninth in the table, 13 points on a bit of an unbeaten run as well. They've had a change of manager. Um, there's a new owner potentially on the horizon anyway. Looks like that's progressing. To tell us more about that is Sam from the AFC Bournemouth fan channel. Sam, thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Are you happy with the season and how it's gone so far? How's it all working out down the road? Yeah, it's going all right. It's going all right. Certainly better than after the first few games. We've expected to lose who we've expected to lose to. And we've done very well against uh, all the other sides. So, yeah, really pleased. I think Scott Parker's departure has got a huge sort of bearing on where we're at right now because there seems to be that siege mentality back and uh players aren't being thrown under the bus anymore so yeah it seems to be some really good team spirit down here on the south coast in bournemouth and um yeah looking forward to wednesday night now what sort of game are you expecting on on wednesday i think quite tentative i mean i don't know what will happen with your managerial situation but ralph always seems to be on the precipice and then sometimes he pulls it back i'm just hoping that's not going to be against us obviously but i think i think it's going to be um really absorbing i think the atmosphere is going to be good but after our draw at fulham on saturday one that i feel as though we probably could have won had it not been for var this season um i don't know you know, we'd be in a Champions League spot uh, potentially. But I don't know. I think we've got a point to prove. I think uh, we hopefully will take the game to Saints. I think in some of the games so far, we've just lacked a bit of our own confidence and we start off tentatively. And sometimes it often takes a team to go in front for us to actually get moving. But hopefully, you know, given where Saints are and given their form at the moment, that might inspire a bit of confidence. And hopefully with our massive 11,000 seat stadium getting all behind us, then you never know. We uh, we could have a good night. Some of this is all sounding a little bit familiar, Glenn. What have you made of uh, Bournemouth and their start? Uh, I'd like to know how much impact VAR had on the 9-0 game. Um, that was, uh, can't imagine it would have, um, <laughs> that was Scott Parker. All nine, all nine of those <laughs> And Bournemouth have done well. You know, you made the, you made the point you've, you've, you've picked up points in this run since Gary O'Neill's been, been in charge against teams that, you know, you needed to put, pick points up. Now I'm looking at, you know, Fulham, Leicester, Brentford, Forest, Wolves, you're unbeaten against those. Now that's, that's. It's those games that define the season for teams that are outside of the of the big boys. It's how you get on against the teams that are going to be in the bottom half of the table, basically. And um, and that's why Ralph is on the edge, basically, because, you know, losing a Man City doesn't matter. But losing in successive weeks to Villa, Wolves and whoever else dreadful we lost to, Everton. So so you can't you can't knock it the job that that O'Neill's done, especially, you know, I'm not going to be too condescending. I'm looking at your players and, and your list of players and thinking, you know, some, some of those I don't have particularly high opinions of, but he's obviously molded a team there with the, with the team spirit to, um, to get, to get over the line in, or, you know, to pick up points in these games. So, um, yeah, so fair play to him. It's interesting. I, the company I work for is based in Bournemouth. So I, I do know quite a, quite a few Bournemouth fans and they, they were moaning about Scott Parker last year, even when you were getting promoted, and how how dreadful the football was. Which which is bizarre, you know. You're top two of the league all season, and uh, and you're still hearing that sort of thing. But uh, so to be honest, I don't really know if they're they're playing sort of if Bournemouth are playing better football now. But um, the the bottom line is is that you know as we're finding out when you're down near the bottom of the league, it's the the results that matter. Yeah, Steve. What are your thoughts ahead of, uh, of of Wednesday night? What sort of game are you expecting? Close one. It's one of those I think where if if we get up early, then then I think it'll be tight because, I mean, as we discussed already this evening, that our second half record is pretty abysmal, especially the start of the second half. But if, if, we, let, if we let kind of Bournemouth dictate the game, and we know that occasionally they have these sort of runs of where, where they put together this sort of really high, high octane, high pressure um, football, 
Um, certainly did un- under Eddie Howe anyway, until kind of that final season where it all fell apart. You know that they can they can cause you damage, and if we can if we can live with that and we can do some damage of our own at the other end, then yeah, I mean we can we can get a result from that. But it's I mean it's it's slightly concerning given that I mean we're only what six weeks six weeks or so on from from that nine nil where everybody would have been looking at this at, um, at Bournemouth and saying well. Is that Dar- is Derby's record un- under threat here? Mm. Um, and you look and you looked at Bournemouth's performances, and it was like, well, yeah, clearly it is because you don't see where where a single point's coming from, and yet they've they found a way. I mean, maybe it is just a simple case that everybody hated Scott Parker. I mean, that that's that daft jacket that he's wearing in at the height in the height of summer at the start of the season. What are you doing, mate? Seriously. <laughs> Um, how how can you take tactical instructions and and man management from a guy who dresses like that? It's insane. I can feel a, a fashion yet... spin-off podcast with Steve coming in. Is that a fair assessment, yeah. Sam? You know that that's kind of like our take on it. Is, is that is that fair? Like watching from from where we are. Is it's um, what are your kind of like aspirations for the rest of the season? How do you think it's all going to play out? It, it probably is really interesting to hear what he says about Scott Parker because yeah, he did get us promoted. And when you look at it on the face of things, his CV is actually pretty good. But it's just the way and it wasn't anything to do with the 9-0 because uh, he, he went on the following Monday or Tuesday, I think. And it was it was to do with um, his relationship with the board, with the fans. He made himself an island. He isolated himself. and um, We just threw everyone under the bus. Yeah. As well, didn't he? Re- Nothing was his fault. He was, he, he was really hard to like. And after we got promoted last season, they brought out this changing room video of him doing this team talk for three minutes. And we started to like him again. But he just had to do one thing and then he'd be back down there and would be... Um, yeah, screaming at him, and he's he's not very likable. But yeah, since he's gone, Gary O'Neill has come in, and he's just been sort of really understated, really, in the way he's done things. He's moved players back in to their proper positions. I think Scott Parker sometimes tinkered a little bit too much, and now he seems to have a, a team of players that really want to play for him. So, in terms of aspirations for this season, I mean, obviously, seventeenth or more would be absolutely superb. I mean, I, I think a lot of ball fans. <laughs> I think a lot of Bournemouth fans themselves are still probably a little bit pessimistic uh, because, you know, it wasn't so long ago that we were in the Premier League and our start was better than it has been now. And in that and that included a win at Saints. And then I think uh, we'd beat Everton 3-1 at home and everyone was thinking Europa League and look what happened there. Obviously, circumstances were different then with COVID and during that we, yeah, we didn't do too well. So, um. Yeah, I just think staying up's the main thing, but it's these games we're focusing on. Like you say, more than the Man Cities, more than the Liverpools, they don't. You know, those games they don't count at all. So we're we're hoping to get a result on Wednesday, and if we do, I think that maybe that will swing the balance in terms of you know pessimism turning into optimism. Can I trouble you for a score prediction, Sam? Because uh, every week we do our predictions, um, and I'll spare you hours. But how do you think it's going to uh, work out? I think that you know it doesn't matter who scores first because sometimes that that sort of kicks us into into motion a little bit. I think I think we might edge it. Uh, so I'm going for two one. All right. Okay. Well, I hope you're wrong, but um, lovely to have you on tonight because that's been a really useful insight. So, uh, so best of luck with the rest of the season. Cheers, Sam. Thanks very much, Jacob. How do you see this game um, on Wednesday? You've got uh, obviously quite a bit of, uh, of Bournemouth knowledge. What sort of game are we going to be facing? It's one I've been looking forward to uh, from the start of the season. It's probably the one I, I've you know really looked at you know first in the fixture uh, list. Bournemouth are completely different to what you perceive Bournemouth to be last time in the Premier League. Uh, they used to be freewheeling on the front foot. 
and exactly like Glenn and Sam says, Scott Parker played such robotic, uh, mechanical football that completely drained the life out of any single person watching. And although I couldn't say at the time, it was quite obvious he was never going to work in the Premier League. The thing that would work in the Premier League, and this always has in the Premier League, is their spirit and their these momentum surges, which Steve, Steve says. You know, they go 80 minutes with, and do nothing. And then all of a sudden they win a corner and they score two in five minutes. And that's something that Southampton really have to handle because you saw today they don't handle momentum swings very well. And at the Vitality especially, Bournemouth have so many momentum swings and they just go with it. They just roll with it. Um, they did it last year in the fleeting period. Scott Park actually allowed them to. And I think they do it as well this year. They've got real spirit. I actually covered Scott Parker's sack and I wrote a little bit for The Athletic. And it's true that none of the, you know, some of the players really didn't like him. And, towards, and now they've got Gary O'Neill, who's just completely refreshed them and... I think they just go out there and play with no fear um, and on the front foot, which you know, Southampton used to. So it's going to be really interesting. I do, I do think that if they go ahead early, then I think they can kill, they can kill Southampton completely in that first five, ten minutes because they love to start quick. They always start quick. Um, so Southampton have got to be uh, ready for that. But and it's a tight pitch as well. So so if Southampton think they're going to get time on the ball, I, I really don't think they will. So it's going to be one of those games where everything's going to be on the line. Uh, Ralph Arsenal's job. Southampton's Premier League safety, maybe. I was going to say, if if they don't win, then you're going to be writing about another manager getting the sack. A hundred percent, Glenn. I mean, a win yeah. today would have maybe made a draw possible um, outcome on Wednesday, but it, it's got to be it's win or nothing now, isn't it? Just because it, of the result today, it, it really, ha- yeah. They they've got to go to Bournemouth and win. I mean, the last couple of times we've played them, I know. When was the last time? A couple of years ago in the FA Cup, was it? Uh, the FA Cup was 3-0, was it? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the I mean, final, you know, we, we comfortably comfortably yeah. beat them then and mm. we won the game that sent them down as well. They've, you know, they, they've still got a lot of those same players. You know, it's not like their side is suddenly packed with loads of ability. It's still, you know, Jefferson Lerma, Lewis Cook, Dominic Solanke, Adam Solanke's Smith. very good. Adam Smith. Very good, yeah. You know, but they're... The, yeah, well, Beck, we'll agree to differ on that one. I've never thought much of him myself, but you, you, you know, it's it's not any, it's not a team that should scare you. And if if you're playing, if Saints are playing well, they should be able to go down there and 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 beat Bournemouth. But at the moment, I I just I just don't see it. And you know, we, we say one more game for Ralph. I mean, how, how far are we going to go? It's 22 games now with three wins. You know, we we don't even score a goal a game. I mean, if, if 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 you know, if any team gets two 0 up against us, we might you might as well go home, because I know we did it once this season against Leeds, but that's that's the exception, isn't it? We just don't look like we've got more than a goal a game in us against anybody. So it does um it does worry me a little bit if we um if we go behind in that game. I think the the only way we're going to win it is by going in front. You know, sorry, that's a mega cliche. Going in, you know, scoring the first goal basically. If we don't score the first goal, I, I just don't see us winning this game, and we need to. So, Do you think we can keep a clean sheet, Steve? That'd be a start. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Bella Kotchap's presumably going to be out for that. I mean, it's what it's one of those, isn't it, where dislocated shoulder because it, it, from what I saw on on the footage, it looked as if it basically went straight back in again. Mm. So it might be that it's just going to be a bit of bruising, a bit of swelling, and he's back for. I don't know, next week. Was it, was it Mel Gibson, a lethal weapon that just used to pop it out for fun and then like whack it back <laughs> in again? And I was thinking, oh, it'd yeah. be fine. Just bang into the door and he'd be good to go tomorrow. But um, eight weeks, apparently. Um, well, I think that, I think that was the maximum right. they were saying. Yeah. I, th- I think the 
I mean, from what I from what I read of the quotes was that um, it could be anything from like tomorrow to up to eight weeks. So it's yeah. I mean, pick a pick a number out of out of the air for for how long he's how long he's out for there. But uh, Gillette Sar's got to, got to come in and he's got to um, show why he's a um, relatively seasoned international. He's the one that's that's got a bit of pedigree at, at kind of the highest level, really. Him alongside Salasu should be a I mean, they seem to have sort of fairly sort of complementary attributes. I think. Mm. I think Shaletta Sar should be the should be the the sort of vocal organizer. He should be the one that that wins stuff in the air. And um, Salasu is the is the guy who's sort of going with runners and and sort of stepping out and making interceptions. Although he was the one that, that got should... thrown under the bus today, wasn't he? In the press conference afterwards, he was yeah, getting more from him. And... That was bizarre. That, but I mean, I I, I kind of. I mean, in in some in some ways, when the um, when the carrot hasn't worked, sometimes the stick is the is the only approach. And I I get that kind of Ralph is in certain ways kind of scrambling around trying to trying to find something that works and just sparks a sparks something into life and gets a gets a result and a performance out of, out of the team. So maybe maybe that's the that's kind of what he's looking at there. But yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, as I say, I. I Difficult to see us keeping a clean sheet again because we just don't. That's that's the problem. But at least with with Bournemouth, they, I mean, let's be honest, their their defence is effectively a championship defence. So we've got players that would be brilliant in the championship. Yeah, our strikers are potentially championship um, strikers, so, aren't they? So it might be a nice. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean our, our our attack should be well suited. I mean, they're they're proven at that level. Um, Adam scored scored a shed load in the championship. Adam Armstrong scored a shed load in the championship, so that should be that should be a, a challenge that those those two in particular are relishing coming up against that le- that level of defender. Let's get a score prediction, Steve. What are you saying? Oh, yeah, I mean we're not going to keep a clean sheet, are we? But I I think I don't know. I just fancy us to nick it. I don't through no particular reason oh, other than optimism. not wanting to not wanting to hear from their lot for the next six months. Two um, one win. Two one win. All right, uh, Glenn. Score prediction. Um, I, I'm going to go for the clean sheet. I'm going to I'm going to go for the clean sheet. I don't know why. No, I, no, I just I I just fancy it. I I just think we've we look at Bournemouth. We will look at Bournemouth and think you know we can beat these. And it's just a case of getting you know having having taken that confidence into the game. So I'll I'll go for a for a two nil win. Two nil. Right. Okay. Well, we'll take that with both hands. Uh, and Jacob. I was going to go two one, but I think I'm going to go two two now. Okay. Um, I've you know, I've gone two all as well. Actually, the interesting thing for me is I think everyone knows, like we said, that Ralph's you know his job's on the line. The players know that as well. So I'm going to I'm interested to see how they respond and if they can get a quick start, which which is needed. Okay, I should just say Alfie was the only one of us that called um, the one all with West Ham, by the way. But Glenn, you still lead the predictions table, so that's all looking good. Picture the scene: all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, Tell them, honestly. 
If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I mentioned at the start it was a, a two-game week. We've got Bournemouth on the Wednesday and then it's Arsenal uh, on Sunday, um, two o'clock kickoff. Now, we beat them 1-0, of course, back in April. And we achieved that on the back of, I think it was 26% possession, if I'm correct, Len. We didn't even feature that much in the All or Nothing documentary when I watched it back. Is there any hope we might be able to do that again on, on Sunday, do you think? Not, not the same way that we did last year. I mean, you remember the game last year, it was the Fraser Forster show, wasn't it? When he, yeah. he saved absolutely everything. Um, and we played a formation that was basically five, four, 50 yards and then one striker. So, um, <laughs> Shane Long celebrating the, uh, the, the uh, closing yeah, down at the end, wasn't it? <laughs> you, don't, you don't win many games playing that way. And I remember Steve saying at the time, we actually played dreadfully from a point of view of what we did with the ball, which is hence the 26% possession. So we won't be able to play like that. We'll have to play a different way. Arsenal are a lot better than last season. They've got a, the focal point attacker in the same way that Manchester City have got it. They didn't really they didn't really have that last year. They've got three very, very good players playing in behind the striker in Saka, Martinelli and Odegaard has been excellent this season. Saliba in defence has made has made them a lot tighter in defence, and and after today they're top of the league by four points. Only lost one game, and that was was that at Anfield or Old Trafford? Can't remember. They lost Old Trafford. Uh, Old Trafford, wasn't it? Yeah. So they're a lot better than last year. We're um, uh, not a lot better than last year. So I'm I'm expecting it to be a bit of a chastening afternoon, to be honest. Um, you know, it's it's basically the team at the top of the league versus versus the one with the worst form. So uh, so yeah, I'm uh, not not expecting a particularly uh, pleasant afternoon, and it's it's going to be one of those where we have to go toe to toe with them and hope to get in front because I think in, if we go behind in that game, it will be um, it will be really really tough to get anywhere near them. And Steve, uh, Jesus seems like that sort of missing piece of the puzzle whilst the the players that were already there have started to click and, and it, it's gelling nicely for them. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm slightly annoyed at Man City for agreeing to sell him to, to a side like Arsenal because I think everyone, I mean, sort of all banter aside about how shambolic Arsenal have the potential to be at any given moment. They've always looked like the making. they've got the makings of a very good side. If you can kind of get them to be a little bit more consistent, not make stupid mistakes at the back and have someone up front who can be that focal point, as you say. And Lacazette and Aubameyang have, weren't that player, really. Um, I mean, Lacazette obviously scored billions of goals against us, but um, <laughs> not against that many, that many other sides, really. And Aubameyang just just did did as, did as he pleased. He was never never really a team guy there. Whereas I think Jesus, I think he buys into it, and he's got he. I think he feels he's got something to prove, having not really been given that much opportunity for City, despite having a pretty good record for them. So yeah, I, th- I think they're they're now looking like they've got a settled team. I mean, even Granite Xhaka's not um not making stupid mistakes every every week as well, which I mean that's that's kind of a testament to some sort of some degree of man management from Arteta, who I think I think at times has has kind of come across a little bit of a bluffer in the last couple of years. But um this summer a couple of um couple of very astute signings, um Saliba coming back from uh, from exile. I mean, that was that's strange that they farmed him out in the first place, given how bad they were defensively at times. But yeah, there's there's a sense of there's actually a, there's actually a team unit there now. Um, so yeah, they're they're going to be a dangerous team. I mean, 
I mean, you don't get you don't go four points clear at the top of the Premier League when you've got sides like City, City and Liverpool, and I mean even Spurs to a lesser extent, um, knocking around without being without being pretty good. So yeah, I mean it's it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be difficult. And I assume Jacob, this is another one where we're not really worried about the result. It's more about the performance. <laughs> A week's a long time of football. So much can change from now to when we line up next Sunday. Love it might be back, mightn't he? Or not? Yeah, love it might be back and there might be more changes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one of those. I think I wouldn't rule out having doing something now because I think Arsenal games at home, I always tend to enjoy. I think they're always quite good battles. I think Slamson tend to show up for those games. But like you say, Arsenal have improved. They've gone up a level. And for Slamson to get anything out of the game, a lot, they've got to have luck. They've got to make sure Arsenal want to perform and they've got to dig in for their, for their lives really probably for the whole of the second half so yeah it's gonna be difficult but I don't think it's gonna be just look at the performance because if Saints go to Bournemouth and they lose mm. I don't think there's gonna be many fans are going oh you know Saints only lost 2-0 today it's gonna be yeah. the knife is still gonna be out yeah. so yeah it's, it's, it's a difficult one to navigate yeah the, as you say a week is a very long time Jacob do you want to go first with the score prediction are you gonna say yeah. Theo, Theo Walcott against his old club yeah he'll be back by then um <laughs> I think it'd be three-one Arsenal. Sadly, three-one to Arsenal. Uh, Glenn, two-nil Arsenal. Two-nil and Steve. Um, I'll go for the uh, go for the eighties score like one-nil to the Arsenal. One-nil to the Arsenal. Right. Okay. Right. That covers off the two games we've got coming up. Um, the other big story from this week, Jacob. We're going to bring you on this uh, in on this first. Saints placing director of recruitment Joe Shields on leave after this uh, approach from Chelsea. Now, I think it's fair to say it took Southampton by surprise because it certainly took us by surprise. Um, but it looks yeah. like he might be off. Yeah. So Wednesday was my first day off in like three weeks. I was, you know, I was having a really good day, enjoyable, relaxing, and then I get this text and it just says JS to Chelsea, and I just thought, who's JS? And then it all made sense. Jack Stevens. He's done well for himself. Um, and then yeah. And then that all broke out, and then you obviously you dig a little bit deeper, and you realise that this is not an unusual situation. There's a few strange things going on, and you know, you know, it's football at the end of the day, isn't it? So although Chelsea technically haven't done anything wrong because they can approach staff, you mm. know, they, they haven't got the same type of contracts as as um, you know manager or, or players. It's they were still blindsided, and you know, I think there's been difficulties throughout the summer in terms of of, of leaking and. Um, yeah, obviously Joe Shields uh, coming out uh, and going to Chelsea is you know, that you, you put your answer there. So um, and, and Ralph difficult. was pretty dismissive this week, wasn't he? I don't <laughs> know if that was um, yeah. whether he'd been sort of teed up to be like that, but he was kind of like playing playing it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the club are quite they've been quite bold in their response. I think they you know they're basically saying you know you don't want to be here anymore, so you know, go away. Basically, we, we'll put you on guard in leave uh, unless Chelsea want to stump up a substantial amount of cash and you you, you can have them straight away, but. I think even at Chelsea, he's not going to be the main man. He's not going to have the autonomy he's had it here. So all those reports that are saying that Joe Shields is not happy with Ralph or the recruitment are, are absolute nonsense because he's basically going to be an advisor to Todd Burley. So he's, you know, Todd Burley's, you know, intent on steering the ship however he likes. So uh, yeah, he's been given. Yeah, he a... seems very hands on, doesn't yeah. he? Which uh, <laughs> which can only end well, obviously. I mean, that, that, that's <laughs> that's going to be an, oh, that's going to be an absolute mess in about eighteen months' time. Yeah, he's going to be have he's going to have a nice rise in his salary, uh, and um, yeah, Joe Shields is not allowed anywhere near Staplewood, so he's he can't live in limbo as well. That's the thing, though, Glenn, isn't it? And, and Jacob makes a good point there. It, it's not a player contract, and as annoying as it is, it's just a career choice that someone's made. Like any of us getting offered two or three times our salary and going, yeah, actually, do you know what? 
quite fancy that. Yeah, you leaving the podcast then, Martin? This <laughs> 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 gun for hire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man, man leaves job for higher salary. Yeah, big deal. Um, it just sticks yeah. a bit, doesn't it? It's... It it does it does a little bit, but you know I've seen a lot of people sort of bashing the club for it, which I believe is ridiculous. So I think the only thing you can level at the club is that they've they've taken on someone who obviously has a very questionable sense of professionalism in his in his job you know leaking stuff all over the place I, I was I was surprised when um you know I was reading about when Juan Larios signed I mean this is a kid that most people had never heard of and it was all over every football gossip website all over the place before before we signed him so and and the, and the bit that really <laughs> that really bothers me is the is Chelsea putting in a bid for Romeo Lavia straight after the game and it just makes me think how long has this guy actually been working for Chelsea all the time? You know, even when he was our employee, what's he been up to? It just kind of, it kind of makes me sort of question some of that. But but the bottom line is, is anyone who writes on his Instagram account, you know, hypo, don't get sacked soon, lol. I just think, would you, can you imagine anyone else in mm. that sort of position writing something like that on an Instagram account? It's just, mm. so um, yeah, good riddance, basically. It's, fans of other clubs seem to think that he was sort of very instrumental in every signing that we brought in. And I, Jacob can probably clarify exactly which ones he was um, involved in. But this is why I don't think the it's, it, it's not like he's been instrumental in every single one. Yeah, can I just pick up on that? There's a few reports from the Chelsea side that, you know, and they're crediting with a lot of the signings. And although he's done a really good job, I think it's important to say that, you know, Bella Kotchap, Sam's been talking to him since March, February time. And, you know, Ralph's been talking to him. And he, he was the one that's really instrumental. Bella Kotchap was very impressed by Ralph Arsenal. Romeo Lava, he knows him well, stuff like that. But Saints were already aware of Romeo Lava. They had already reached out. You know, it was already in motion before Joe Shields came. So, of, of course, he knows him, but it's not solely his deal. Joe Rebo, he was really influential in because he's very good friends with Joe Rebo's agent, Amika Abassi. They grew up in South London together, uh, Kinetic Academy got real deep ties there. Influential in Maitland-Niles, he was the one that organised it, and Juan Laris and Samuel Duzzi. But in terms of the key players that everyone's going to harp onto it about, and so they should, and Bella Koch and Malavia, uh, they, they were already set in motion, and Slampton did, did a really good job under Martin Glover to initiate those talks. And that's, I guess, the thing, Steve. It's just the name that we're you're a bit angry this week because there's a lot of anger flying around, as you can imagine, at the moment. But in a few weeks' time, a couple of months' time, it's the name that we just we forget all about and go oh yeah he was you know he was there for a bit and and when we move on and and we've had um recruitment directors that have done a good job moved on and, and we've replaced them with someone that does equally a good job yeah i mean i think that that sort of role i think is one of it's one of those roles where a lot of people outside the game don't really know fully what they actually how sort of to what level they're involved in and i kind of except that I'm relatively clueless on that as well. So you don't really know the impact that these guys have on on a football club. Um, I mean, everyone said it was an absolute disaster when we lost Paul Mitchell, and yet um, the world kept turning. Uh, we were fine when when he left because whoever I can't even remember who it was that replaced that replaced him. That's that's how that's how much that situation kind of played played out well for us. But I mean, it's just bad timing, isn't it? Given the given the sort of mood around the place at the moment, and it. All it does is it gives gives ammunition for people who who want to use it use it for that for that means really. 
Um, I mean, it's not Ralph's fault, is it? Clearly, this guy has been been offered a. I mean, we we presumably gave him a massive pay rise based on what he was what he was on at City as their um, head of youth recruitment to now come and do first team for a Premier League club, and Chelsea are now going to give him a huge pay rise pay rise again. Mm. So yeah, I mean, man man leaves. Um, man leaves high paid job for even higher paid job. It was Ross Wilson, um, wasn't it, who came in? In an, um, ah, of course, yeah. yeah Daniel, oh, Teflon, yeah. Teflon, Teflon Ross. I remember Daniel's it. watching yeah. in uh, in Toronto, by the way. I, I forgot to mention that earlier on, but yeah, it's not going particularly well. I don't think for him at Rangers at the moment. But you're absolutely right. We'll move on. And the only thing he, we needed him to do in the summer really was bring, bring in a striker. And of course, he didn't. We didn't recruit one, so you, you could look back at it and go, "Well, what actually did he did he do?" So we'll be all right. Yeah. He's going to have some fun at Chelsea because it's a bit of a harder sell to a young player, isn't it? Well, you know, there's, there's no first-team pathway, no, is there? Come and play, for, come and play for Chelsea. You'll be shipped off to VS Arnhem on loan for a year and a half. Then you maybe maybe half a season in the Championship, and then maybe you'll get five minutes at the end of a Carabao Cup game. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not like look at Tino Livramento, who's went straight into the team. Look at Romeo Lavia, who went straight into the team. So uh, he's got his work out, and also City are going to be. A, much less, you know, if he if he uses his city contact book, they're going to be much less likely to sell to Chelsea mm. because you know they're <laughs> certainly closer to being a direct rival than we are at the moment. <laughs> oh yeah, give it time. It's going to be a big week, uh, certainly a big week ahead. Pretty much it for the podcast. Don't forget you can follow Total Saints Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter. It's at Total Saints Pod. Our website is totalsaints.co.uk. There's a link on there to our online shop, which is uh, Total Saints Icons. So you can drop us an email during the week on there if you like. We're also on Patreon, where you can find out more about supporting the podcast with a monthly contribution. Just head to patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast. Got four tiers on there, ranging from £5 to £20 per month month and each comes with a different set of perks including some weekly shout outs at the end of the pod for those in our francis benali or our mick shannon tiers so thanks to dave melton mark atkins matt hall who are in our francis benali tier and also colt baker dave ernsberger ed busy nick higston phil cook matt rose and nick reed in our mick shannon tier uh thanks to steve thanks to glenn thank you to jacob have a good week chaps uh thanks to sam for joining us as well from the cherries podcast and thank you for listening let's have a good week and we'll see you again next week The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.